Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. What does Mitt Romney's resignation mean for the Republican Party? We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, you've already heard about all that. If you're listening to this the week of September 21st, you know that if you want to get me live, right? I've got a new class, McClanahan Academy Live, American Conservatism. Just head on over to McClanahan Academy and pick that class up. You get me live four times in October. So you can ask me questions in person. Well, at least through Zoom. But you can ask me questions in person. We've got a great content to go through, how we talk about American conservatism, what that is. In fact, that's kind of the topic today. We're going to look at that. But it's going to be a great class. So head over to McClanahan Academy, get that class. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way that way. Click on the little heart if you're watching on YouTube. Throw a few pennies my way that way. Or go to Spotify for podcasters. Become a member there. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it a text review. Leave a five-star review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. That does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And send me those show requests. In fact, this is a listener-generated episode. I was sent this article and asked to, uh, what are my thoughts on it? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's about Mitt Romney. Pierre Delecto himself has decided to resign from the United States Senate. Or at least he won't run again. He's going to be there until his term is over. But Mr. Delecto is out. Now, what does that mean for the Republican Party? At least that's what this piece is all about. Well, I think it means that Pierre Delecto is the typical Republican. In fact, I'm not so certain the Republican Party is going to change very much just because Pierre Delecto is not going to be in the United States Senate anymore. And let me explain. First of all, the Republican Party is still the same Republican Party that it was in 1861 or 1856, 1857. It really doesn't matter. The Republican Party hasn't changed. It's always been the party of special interests and and economic special interests, I would say, corporate welfare. It still is the party of corporate welfare and economic special interests. It's always been a left-leaning party. It's always been a progressive party. And that's what it is today. It hasn't changed. No matter how hard the Democrats want to portray the Republican Party as somehow being the flip, the old Democrats, or even, even the Republicans themselves wanted to say that you know, the Democrats are now this, or the Republicans are that. The Democrats are still the old Democrats, whatever it is. The Republican Party hasn't changed. The Democrat Party has just moved further left. They've just gone left. In fact, the American conservatives really don't have a party anymore. The Republican Party has always been a left party. This is what R.L. Dabney pointed out 
in the late 19th century when he said, look, the northern conservatives just pick up the old discarded leftist talking points and make them their own. And that's what the Republicans have done. If you go back and look at the core constituency of the Republicans in the 1850s and 60s, they were on the left. Abraham Lincoln wasn't a conservative. If you want to say conservative is simply favoring economic corporate welfare, well, that's not really conservative either, particularly according to American conservatism, which would be an adherence to a written constitution and federalism. The Republicans have never really been interested in that. They've always been a national party. If you look at their positions on the National Bank, for example, or federally funded internal improvements or protective tariffs, these things were all called unconstitutional. And that's really what the rub was in the 1860s. Unconstitutional federal legislation, the 1850s. Unconstitutional federal legislation, the 1840s. Of course, before the Republican Party. But a lot of those people that favored those things found a home in the Republican Party. Abraham Lincoln, the symbol of the Republican Party, was a corporate lawyer. Favored corporate welfare, railroads over people. And when this piece I'm going to get into says the Republican Party has lost its moderation, you know, all they're talking about there is that the Republican Party is not going to go along with the leftists anymore, which it isn't the case anyways. You know, see, the Democrats or the leftists, I should say this, the leftists like a useful Republican Party, which would be a Republican Party that goes along with what they're doing, again, because Northern conservatism, which is what Mitt Romney is, he's from the Midwest, he's from Michigan, Northern conservatism is simply discarded leftism. And so they can work with these people because as they keep pushing the envelope further and further, well, these old discarded leftists can get on board with some of the things the Republican Party, or I'm sorry, the Democrats want to do, the left, the left wants to do. They can get on board with some of it because it's not necessarily alien to them. It's just they're going too far. We need to not go quite as far. We need to come a little bit, right? We'll, 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 we'll get over there. We'll, we'll go a little way uh, to their position, right? We'll, we'll, we'll inch closer to what they want. That's the Republican Party. That's what the Democrats miss. Because they think that the Republican Party now is obstinate. They think the Republican Party is the party of shutdowns and hardball. They don't want that. They don't want a Republican Party like that. And I would say the Republican Party isn't that anyways. You look at the majority of the party, they're not in favor of any of these things. You might have a small constituency in the Congress that would be willing to do this, but most of those people are brain dead, or at least some of them, like Lauren Boebert. They're brain dead. Uh, and, they're, and look, Boebert is a full expression of American democracy, by the way. Just like John Fetterman. They're two peas in a pot. Or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They're a full expression of American democracy. But what the Republican Party did in the 1850s and 60s, and then moving forward, is they made every issue a national issue. The Republican Party was interested in nationalism. Now, I know that there were instances where that wasn't necessarily the case, where you had Republicans, for example, put on the Supreme Court that didn't try to nationalize everything. The slaughterhouse cases, for example, where they rejected incorporation of the 14th Amendment, that decision was made by predominantly Republicans. But overall, the Republican Party has always been interested in nationalizing issues, nationalizing every issue they can. The Republican Party was a nationalist party. Now, it wasn't a national party because it was a sectional party, but that's what they thought. It really was a northern sectional party that wasn't really interested in the South at all, at least not the entire South. They were interested in votes, which is why they favored black Southerners. 
at least as pawns, political pawns. But they weren't really interested in too much outside of their own, their own self-interest. And this is how well, the Republican Party always operates. So Pierre Delecto leaving the United States Senate doesn't really get rid of that Republican Party. It's still there. You can see it in just about every candidate they run. I mean, it's, it's evident. Donald Trump, as I've said before, is a 1940s New Deal Democrat. Or maybe a 1940s Republican who just thought the New Deal went a little bit too far. Now, of course, he speaks in populist terms, wants to tear down the federal government. Does he really, though? Does he really want to tear down the federal government? I don't know. When you put a whole bunch of West Coast Straussians and neocons in your administration, you're not going to tear down the federal government. It's just not going to happen. The problem with all of this, of course, is that we focus entirely on the center. I mean, if you like the center having control over every social issue out there, if you like the center having control over, you know, cozying up the corporations, then the Republicans are your party. I mean, they always have been. The Democrats are also your party, too. See, there aren't any, there's really an American conservative party anymore that believes in fidelity to the original Constitution and federalism and making these issues local issues. They don't exist. You have federal judges listening to cases appointed by Republicans, hearing cases in federal court that should be knocked out because they don't have any standing in federal court. These aren't federal issues. They're state issues. This is what I was talking about with the Arizona situation with the gun ban. That's a state issue, not a federal issue. It's a state issue. But that's the problem. All the Republicans, oh, this is a Second Amendment issue. I got my Second Amendment rights. It's a state issue, 100%. Just as marriage is, for example. I mean, all these cancel... Look, if it wasn't for the Republican Party, we wouldn't have the culture war. We wouldn't have to worry about corporate welfare. I mean, all this stuff wouldn't be there. The Republican Party brought all those things. They're a left party. So, let's get into the article about Pierre Delecto. It's written at NewYorkMag.com. Mitt Romney and the Doomed Nobility of Republican Moderation by Jonathan Chait. And the Doomed Nobility. Now, again, think about what I said earlier in this episode. The left likes a person like Mitt Romney because they think they can control them, right? They're, they're right there with them. They can just, they'll go a little ways. Republican moderation means Democrat victory, means left wing victory. The subtitle, the party's last anti-authoritarian walks away. Now think about that. I would say there's other anti-authoritarians in, in at least Congress. There's a, there's a couple. Rand Paul, Thomas Massey. But you see, they're uncompromising. And Massey won't go along with the left. Rand Paul doesn't go along with the left. What the left likes is Mitt Romney because he's really one of them. Just not so far. He is a traditional Republican. That's what they want. And I don't think, again, that Republican is gone. We, we talk about uh, you know, Liz Cheney and all the neocons. They're not gone. I think you can still see some of them get into power. Uh, it's just that the Democrats are lamenting that a guy that they could control because he was basically one of them, he's on the left, 
because that's what the Republican Party is. In fact, what, what the P should say is Mitt Romney and the doomed ability of the original Republican Party. Because all of these people are would be you know Lincolnians. The piece says Mitt Romney on Wednesday announced his retirement from the Senate, likely signaling an end to a career of noble tragedy. Now, would would this dope Chait have written this when he was running against Barack Obama? No. I mean, they painted Mitt Romney as the furthest right you could get. I mean, this guy was going to end all social programs. He was going to destroy grandma. That's what he was going to do when he was running against Barack Obama. But now, it's a career of noble tragedy. By the end, he saw more clearly than almost anybody in his party the authoritarian path it was following, but he found himself helpless to arrest it. He embodies the doomed tradition of the Republican moderate, and his departure signifies its final extinction. <laughs> this is just completely idiotic. I mean, there's that's all you can say about this. It's completely idiotic. He's been, Chait has been a New York political columnist since 2011, and he's been completely idiotic since that point, I'm sure. Maybe even beforehand. But the thing is, Chait, I guess, is not recognizing the authoritarian nature of the left because that's what they are. There's nothing anti-authoritarian about the left. In fact, they're the most authoritarians out there. I mean, these people want to do everything to you, control every aspect of your life in every way whatsoever. The only thing that, well, well, yeah, but we don't want to control your marriage. We don't want to control what you do, your personal choices. It's your body, your choice, unless we make you take things that you don't want to take. You see, these people are authoritarians. They're all authoritarians. That's why they're in power. And the left is the worst for it. Generally, in American history, they're authoritarians. Mitt Romney is an anti-authoritarian. At all. Mitt Romney is an authoritarian. So are all the leftists. What he is, is willing to work with the leftists. Don't let the anti-authoritarian thing throw you off. Romney sprang from political nobility. Political nobility. Who are these? He's anti-authoritarian, but he comes from political nobility. I mean, what is this? You know, he comes, he's got a pedigree. This is it. Mitt Romney has a pedigree. He is a political nobility. He's a Clinton. He's a Bush. I mean, this is, this is garbage. He's a Kennedy. His father, George, served as president of American Motors, governor of Michigan, and for a time seemed likely to win the presidency. The elder Romney had fought for civil rights, created a, single, uh, created a state income tax, and doubled the state education budget in Michigan. In other words, he was a progressive. <laughs> he was progressive. That's what these people like. These achievements made him the leader of his party's then formidable moderate wing, George grasped the extremism of the conservative movement and threw himself into the fight to arrest this takeover of the party. In 1964, he refused to endorse Barry Goldwater and wrote a scathing 12-page letter denouncing his extreme anti-statism in opposition to civil rights laws. In other words, the Romneys were perfectly in line with the old Republican Party. Barry Goldwater wasn't really a Republican, at least in that way. He wasn't really a Republican, the old-style Republican. Barry Goldwater was, of course, kind of a libertarian, but he was going for the old Democrats, the real conservative party in America. That was the point. 
Now, I will say this. George Romney could do whatever he wanted in Michigan because Michigan have an income tax. They can do whatever they want there because, well, it's Michigan. And these aren't federal issues. In fact, if we really want to talk about what federal representatives should be doing, the only thing they should ever be talking about is foreign policy and how they can keep trade free in the United States. And that's it. How they can reduce any kind of obstacles to business in the United States. And then everything else should be state issues. It's the way it works. It's the way federalism was supposed to work. You look at Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, there isn't a whole lot there. We shouldn't have trillion-dollar federal budgets at all. The state should be able to tax more, and the federal government, you, at the end of the day, when you pay your taxes, you should be paying very little to the federal government and a whole lot to your state governments. If we want to talk about what government would do, that's the way it would originally or should have originally worked. Your states would have taken care of your education, your infrastructure, and all these kind of things. And the federal government would have done none of that. All of these things we look at today as federal issues are created by the Republican Party in the 1850s and the 1860s in nationalism. And you might like that. You might like these things. But then you wouldn't have been a conservative. Romney's defeat in 1968 seemed at the time to be a temporary uh, factional setback, but turned out to be an irreversible catastrophe. In hindsight, wrote Jeffrey Cava service, Romney was the GOP moderate's last and best chance to elect one of their own to the presidency, which in turn would have preserved the long-term viability of the moderate movement. In other words, what Jeffrey Cava service is saying is that they wanted a guy that they could control. You see, the useful opposition paint the guy. I mean, look, when you look at Dewey, for example, in 1948, when he's running against Harry Truman, Dewey was... George Romney. There wasn't much conservative about Dewey. He was George Romney. But he's this authoritarian. He's this guy that's going to tear everything out. Dewey didn't say any of that stuff. But that's, I mean, you look at Eisenhower. Eisenhower was pretty moderate. Eisenhower was just a little softer than the Democrats. This is what they want. They want a useful opposition. A useful Republican Party. A useful minority, by the way, because all those years, the Democrats were in the majority. You could just paint the minority off as something bad and then go with whatever you wanted. And the, and the Republicans just wanted a seat at the table, so they were happy with it. Mitt inherited his, or I should say, Pierre inherited his father's sensibility and many of his values, but without any kind of political base or intellectual infrastructure like his father enjoyed, he was reduced to half-measures, lurching away from the embrace of the conservative-dominated party, but then rushing back into its fold. His ideas would evaporate like ice cubes on warm pavement. Romney burst into politics into Mass in Massachusetts, running a slashing right-wing campaign in 1994 on the wave of the Gingrich Revolution to defeat Ted Kennedy. In defeat, he swerved back to the center, won his state's governorship and designed an innovative new program to make health insurance available to every citizen in the Commonwealth. Well, see, he can do that in Massachusetts. This is what everybody misses about, oh, about uh, this situation. Oh, Romney Care is just Obamacare. No, it wasn't. Romney Care is fine in the state of Massachusetts. Because, you know what? Massachusetts could have state health care if they wanted it. It's perfectly legal. The states can do whatever they want there. 
but Obamacare is unconstitutional. How, I mean, think about how that, that law was even declared constitutional by the Supreme Court because it's a tax. You see, you couldn't find any other authority for it in the Constitution whatsoever, but it's a tax. So that's why it was constitutional. This is what John Roberts had to come up with because they all knew it wasn't. Now in Massachusetts, it's perfectly constitutional because Massachusetts can do what they want with health care. In 2008, he ran for president, veering again to the right. He lost but performed well enough in the primary to almost immediately launch another campaign for the nomination four years later. In between, he suffered a deep political setback. Barack Obama, the Republican Party's bet noir, had used his Massachusetts plan as the model for a national program. Indeed, Romney had been promising to do the same thing. But Obama's embrace turned the program, which even conservatives had once praised for its simplicity and reliance on a market, into a socialist monstrosity. It was unconstitutional because the federal government had no power to do this. States could have adopted this anywhere. You could have had 50 Romney cares around the United States. And that would have been perfectly legal if people wanted this thing. But the problem was, you can't do it at the, at the federal level because the U.S. Constitution is a block. Again, American conservatives need to understand that the Constitution is what they should be thinking about with fidelity to the original Constitution. Not the 1868 monstrosity, as this piece says. Not that monstrosity, which is completely alien to the original intent of the 14th Amendment. Not that. But the original Constitution. Romney eventually abandoned his own idea, pretending falsely that he had never held it up as a national model. And so Romney is the godfather of one of the century's great social achievements, but has never been able to claim credit for his own handiwork. Yeah. Like many wealthy businessmen, Romney was caught up in a wave of social Darwinist hysteria during Obama's first term, believing the rich were besieged by a mob of undeserving moochers and looters. He was caught telling donors in a private meeting that he could never reach and had no interest in helping 47% of the voters who were dependent on government, who believe that they are victims, who believe the government has a responsibility to care for them, believe that they are entitled to health care, to food, to housing, to you name it. These are people who pay no income tax. My job is not to worry about these people. I'll never convince them. They should take personal responsibility and care for their lives. Well, that's actually a pretty accurate statement, to be honest. There is that group. I wouldn't say it's 47% of the population, though. That's a small percentage of the population. But you've got enough people that vote with those people to make it to where they might have a larger block. But the appearance on the scene of Donald Trump precipitated yet another jarring shift in Romney's public identity. As a candidate, Romney had publicly embraced the reality television star despite his birtherism and general sleaze. The birtherism thing is always a funny accusation when the Democrats essentially came up with it. And when you look at Obama himself, he was selling himself at one point when he was publishing books as a Kenyan-born state senator. This is what he said. So all that, the, all that Trump was ever doing was echoing the Clinton campaign against Obama and Obama's own publications, which is the funny thing. But watching the whole party fall in for a liar and crook shook Romney loose from his partisan attachments. Romney seemed to reprise his father's war against the Goldwaterite fanatics. 
He criticized Trump openly as a liar in 2016, briefly entertained working in his administration to contain the threat to national security, yeah, okay, before settling into a role as a kind of mordant skeptic. Yeah, I'm sure that's why he wanted to get in the administration. Mitt Romney's about power. He stood almost alone against his party in denouncing Trump's scheme to extort Ukraine to, sm to smear Joe Biden, even though, as he later revealed, many of his Senate colleagues privately shared his assessment. But the thing is, that is a real issue. <laughs> because Joe Biden was extorting Ukraine at one point. I mean, this was a real issue. People don't realize, I mean, this is, this is where the left is so detached from reality. This was a real issue. Using power and influence to get to enrich themselves and also to control a foreign power. That's what Joe Biden, he's on camera saying it. And of course, getting his son's sweetheart deals and other things. This is all true. The evidence is there. Now, whether anybody's going to act on it, I don't know. But the evidence is there. It's on camera. This is, I mean, so Trump wasn't doing anything but asking about somebody to look into this. So who is the real threat to national security? Well, Mitt Romney. All of the neocons, all of the foreign policy neocons are. They're a threat to real, quote-unquote, national security. Going to war in Europe is not national security. In his comments to McKay Coppins, the Atlantic writer in whom he confided for a biography, the Atlantic, right? This is Mitt Romney. He goes to the leftist publication for a biography. Romney flays the cowardice of his Republican colleagues who routinely place political self-interest over their honesty and duty. He reveals that shortly before January 6th, he texted Mitch McConnell with a warning of violent mobs ascending on the city but received no response at all. After the attack, several Republicans admitted they were afraid voting to impeach Trump would expose themselves and their family to violent reprisals from his supporters. Here's the thing. I mean, I've said many times that every president since, well, in the last hundred years should have been impeached. They've all abused power. Joe Biden should be impeached. I mean, they've all abused power. This is the point. There isn't really one that hasn't in the last hundred years. Significance of this submission cannot be understated. It reveals that the violent threat from the extremist right did not end after the Capitol was retaken on January 6th. was retaken. Indeed, I mean, like there was these, they barricaded the Capitol and as the Capitol Police are escorting these people around. Retaken. They stood on the hill and fought back. Put up barricades. Here, here, let me show you around the Capitol. Let's stay between the ropes now when you're coming into the Capitol. Stay between the ropes. You're retaken. Indeed, the threat of violence had more effect in the days afterwards, swaying the votes of terrified legislators. Yeah, this is true. They had uh, cosplay, right? They had they they made it into an act. They put up you know put riot shields in the hallways and all kinds of stupid things. The failure to convict Trump is one of the most consequential decisions in American history. Had Republicans kept their nerve, Trump would now be disqualified for the presidency rather than poised to retake it. See if you if you look at this piece and what it is, it's an indictment of Trump. These people can't get over Trump. It's not really a praise of Mitt Romney. What they're praising is Mitt Romney would, have vote for, would vote for them. Mitt Romney was one of them. That's what they're praising here. That's what the useful Republican Party is. That's what the leftist Republican Party is. That decision was arrived at not through conviction or even political calculation, but functionally at gunpoint. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Gunpoint. Functionally at gunpoint because all of these massive evil right-wingers were there at gunpoint. Except that's not really the case. The only person that was shot at gunpoint was a Trump supporter. Again, the, the narrative, they have to sell the narrative because they believe it. They're delusional. They have to have this narrative because if they don't have this narrative, they have nothing. That's the point. Romney seemed to settle on an identity as a conventional Republican in matters of ordinary policy, but who would break ranks on questions of democracy and the rule of law. During the Biden presidency, he sought an active but conservative role as a policymaker. He helped organize a Biden clique to pass infrastructure investments. Again, that's the old Republican Party. Federally funded internal improvements. Where can I sign up if I'm a Republican? But as Franklin Foer reveals in his new biography of Biden, Romney became singularly focused on ratcheting down spending on buses and subway systems, an odd and small-minded fixation. Because, well, in reality, the federal government can't spend on buses and subway systems because, you know why? That's unconstitutional. The whole package is unconstitutional. But good Republicans will support federally funded internal improvements. In his video announcing retirement, Romney wanely depicts Biden and Trump as equally flawed men trading off matching criticisms of the two. Donald Trump calls global warming a hoax, and President Biden offers feel-good solutions that will make no difference to the global climate. He complains at one point, a ludicrous assessment of Biden, given the undeniable breadth of his domestic energy reforms. Of course, they're all unconstitutional. Romney doesn't say that, but that's what he should say. What comes through with depressing clarity is Coppin's account is the vast disconnect between Romney's public and private assessments of his party behind closed doors. He scathingly indicts the GOP as a proto-authoritarian formation. In public, he only hints at these beliefs, is revealing that he created a pseudonymous Twitter account to express beliefs he couldn't safely associate with. Pierre Delecto. Coppins describes Romney's fixation on the line from Yates, the best lack all conviction, and while the worst are full of passion and intensity, is not certain if he understood that he was diagnosing himself. You see... Mitt Romney is a flawed man. But Mitt Romney should have gone with us. He should have been a real leftist. He was a real leftist when he went and favored infrastructure. Because that's the old Republican Party. Global warming. You know, that, that, again, that's the Democrats. He's, he doesn't go far enough. But he's useful, right? He's useful. He might go a little bit further. He's going to go with something. That's the whole problem. This is why Mitt Romney and the Republicans, these old establishment Republicans, are a problem. The Democrats don't want any opposition, ever. But when you look at the history of the Republican Party, Mitt Romney is the quintessential Republican. He always has been. It's Mike Pence is the same thing. All of these people are the same thing. They are nationalists in the distorted sense of the term. And they don't really believe in the Constitution, because if they did, they wouldn't favor most of what they believe. All right. See you next time with the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.